0: Hi, John.
1: Hi, Merlin. How's it going? Mm, Pretty good. Pretty good. Reap?
0: Hmm?
1: What's that deuce? Was (laughs) was that a a needle going across a record? (laughs) Reap? Reap? Uh, No, but um, speaking of records, today is the 10 year anniversary of the release of Putting the Days to Bed, the Long Winter's most recent album. (laughs) Mm, that's not possible. Mm,
0: 10, ten years. years. 10
1: long years. Mm. I just got an email about it. I still think of that as your new record. Yeah, I know it is the new record.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Technically.
1: Well, yeah. that's, that, that was 10 years and went by pretty quick. Yeah, 10 years. 10 years. Well, you know, one of the reasons it went by so fast is that they invented Twitter somewhere in the middle there. Mm hmm. And then uh, we were all just, we were all just pastoralists before that, just wandering around our fields, tending our sheep. Mm-hmm. And then we became digital, digitals. At first, we just stopped
0: tending the sheep as well. Yeah, right. The The, the herd was still there. Yes. The, the scented uh, stationary paper. Mm-hmm. hmm uh, The parlor.
1: The parlor. Parlor. Spent a lot of time in the parlor, yeah. Mm tapping out my pipe onto my brass pipe stand tap 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 uh-huh. <laughs> brass pipe stand put put my uh, you know put put a little marker in my book and lay it down on the bedside table and then go upstairs to my steam operated computer and <laughs> And log on to Twitter (laughs) once in a while. Someone's hacked the forum again. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I would see my few friends there that I thought were amusing. mm -hmm. But then, Mm -hmm. wave after wave, Mm. zombies. Yeah. Blood.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I am uh, not super awake yet. No, me either. This might me. be this might be a, a fairly pastoral episode. I'm what, uh,
1: very much in the process of waking up. What this is, seems unusual that you would show up to the show mm. in the same state that I'm usually. In. <coughs> yeah.
0: Uh, in throat. I. Uh, yeah, I've been listening to um, a cappella music,
1: which is you know it's calming me
0: down. Mm.
1: Mm-hmm. Maybe just a coincidence, but last night, I worked pretty hard and have yet to succeed at getting my ringtone to be an uh, acapella selection.
0: Oh, do you need any help with that? I can help you with that.
1: Can you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know how to do it. I have I, since downloaded two apps called ringtone apps. Neither thing can help me. I have to... Go back to the mainframe. Oh no, 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 no! I have to rewrite the encryption. Ah, oh, God, I'm in. <laughs> and I don't, I don't want to do any of those. I hate computers, Merlin. I'm very frustrated by them. They're awful. awful I don't, I don't awful. talk about it, John, but
0: I'm not. I'm not such a fan myself.
1: They're really awful. Yeah. And so every <laughs> the last two or three days has been. It just seemed like there's been a real uptick in. In like everywhere you go on the internet now, they are rude. Like everywhere you go, something pops up in front of you. You're, you're expected to log in. I went on to, and I did not mean to do this, but I went on to Pinterest. Oh, on a, nice on a phone on a phone. And the thinking like, thing of refurbishing your mood board. <laughs> I was somebody was saying like I want a I want a what was it? Um, oh, they were uh, starting to somebody and they were interested in small house culture. Hmm. Are you, are you hip to small house culture? Yeah,
0: I think so. I think isn't there like a I think there's a TV show about it and it's a common mm-hmm. a, a regular feature on our local uh website, you know, the Chronicles website. Uh there because everything's horrible here and people are trying to live in like 300 places smaller than my office. Families mm-hmm. are living in mm-hmm. you know, like these little uh hipster cyber hovels.
1: Yeah. Yeah, the, which which are like the appeal of them, I think, to people is that you can organize everything. You can kern or knoll. Oh, you got a knoll. Yeah, you got to yeah. have a knolling board for that.
0: Yeah, I, I have a whole Pinterest uh, page about my different knolling boards.
1: Do you? Yeah. Why <laughs> it's do actually people, the Swedish word for a buffet. Why do people leave the K out of it? I'm pretty sure it's canole. 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 Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, they like it. To- appeals, it absolutely
0: appeals to a certain sensibility. You as a. Uh, RV owner, get this a little bit. I have a friend who lives on a boat. There's a certain, you know, you your life has to change when you live on a boat. Mm-hmm. I mean, have you known people who live on boats? It's a very different experience.
1: I have. I've known people that lived on boats. I, I went to a college. I went to a college with a guy who, uh, when he graduated from college, he went and bought instead of renting his first apartment, he bought like a really dilapidated old enormous motor yacht like the kind of motor yacht that that maybe fdr would have had a summit with uh tojo on although Mm. i don't think the two ever met um you know like a 1935 chris craft 49 foot all what all wood if he could afford that, it would have to be in horrible condition. It was in horrible condition. Because, and- I mean,
0: as a kid, to me, uh, you know, there's certain things that are, like, the canonical example of, like, fanciness. Like mm-hmm. a Mercedes-Benz car, baked Alaska dessert, 40-foot mm-hmm. yacht.
1: Mm-hmm. Oscar's Orcafeller. Yes. Right? An Oscar's Oikafeller? Wasn't that a something that you only heard fancy people order? That's right. You get spinach and pearls. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, but y- two things... You have to remember in 1991, um, like a 1936, a dilapidated 1936 motor yacht, 40 foot motor yacht, 49 foot, I think super big uh, that, you know, there was no, there was no culture like there is now where everything's expensive. It was just like, uh, Oh, right. Also I pe- mean, people weren't as rude and the dollar was strong. People weren't as rude as the dollar was strong, but like mm-hmm. in Seattle, you could buy a, in nineteen ninety one you could buy a house in the central district for like sixty thousand dollars. So now that house is worth seven hundred and sixty thousand dollars. So just apply r- retroactively that same inflation deflation to uh, you could, uh, get a 30, motor uh, f- 49 foot yeah for probably about uh, about sixty bucks.
0: I mean, it was. I don't
1: know. I don't know. How, I don't know how much you paid for it, but it's I mean, handling, but it, handling fees. Yeah. It was cheap. And also uh, the, the, the other thing people forget about boats is that they are constantly changing hands because every spring somebody, every spring, you know, a thousand people are like, I want a boat and they buy a boat and then they realize it's an expensive, leaky, yeah. gross smelling hole in the water. It's like then, investing in entropy. Like you, you, everything in your life
0: is breaking a little bit all the time, but that's yeah. really accelerated on a boat. Like even if you are really, really good about everything and you polish the brass and you keep the lines, you know,
1: right and everything, polish it's, the brass, keep gotta, the lines right. <laughs> <laughs> that's just that's stuff that Master and Commander shouts at us. His- <laughs>
0: Over the sound of the waves. <laughs> That's right. You want to have the uh, you get the get the sails up. You get the mizzen mizzen mast uh, bowsed. Mm-hmm. You get the whistle back.
1: Yeah, we'll the
0: whistle back. <laughs> I can't whistle like I used to. Um, really? But uh, no, it's it's it's. I I have had uh, several people in my life who lived on boats. The uh, father of my primary lady friend in the nineties. Uh, lived on a boat, and it was it was really, it was quite interesting. It what was, kind of you know, it's, you know in a way, it's a little bit like today, we've got these, uh, this is, oh, I'm sorry, I'm still waking up. We're, like, we think about, like, okay, this trash goes in the trash, this trash goes in the recycling, this trash goes in the compost. And you, we have three different giant uh, receptacles for that. And on a boat, you've got, like, about as much trash room as you do at, like, a Hampton Inn. Like you don't you don't you can't have stuff you have to have like one of this thing that does lots of things. You can't have your DVD collection and stuff like that.
1: No, you have to have one tool. Yeah, one tool that's a screwdriver, a saw. Uh, bosun's mate. Bo- you get a, bo- a bosun mast. But yeah. e-
0: but I guess what I'm trying to say is it's not, it is obviously hugely based on the amount of space you have, which is next to nothing. That right. if you want to be able to move around at all, and, and then it's the accommodations and sacrifices. Like, you have to
1: have room for those tools. Like, you don't, you don't get to have your stuffed animal collection or something like that. Right. Well, and, and I think the, the key, like my RV, for instance, you know, I, I, uh, I was driving around in it yesterday and, um, And uh, then I parked it in front of the house and, you know, I'll drive around in it next weekend or two weekends from now. You know, you get in the RV when you feel like it and you go putter around. That's the beauty of the RV. That's the beauty of it. But when you have a boat, if you leave it unattended for two weeks, maybe it sank. Uh Maybe it's full of water rats now. Maybe, you know, like the uh, nature is more actively trying to kill a boat than any other thing.
0: I've been told by our mutual friend John Syracuse that uh the, the greatest enemy of a homeowner is moisture. Mm. And if you think about that, your your house is literally in water. You mm. know? And it's not nice water usually. It's it's water it's water that you, basically you're sitting in a big piece of wood in water. So that just just to start, let alone keeping the brass shiny, you know? Gotta keep the brass shiny. Keep the keep the li- what is it? Keep the lines, the lines keep fine. The, keep the, keep the, keep keep the, the lines, lines right. Right? Yeah. You gotta keep the lines right. <laughs> I have that, always that, that feels momentous to me. Keep the lines right.
1: Keep the lines right. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, that seems like something you should have on a t-shirt. Keep mm-hmm. the lines right. Keep the lines right. Well, it might be something I start Pol- shouting polish at. Polish the brass and keep the lines right. <laughs> keep the lines right.
0: <laughs> I, is that a Star
1: Trek sound or is that a ship sound that I just made? What you just made was the Star Trek uh, door opening sound. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but you're thinking of... Hmm. The, a, is, that, is that a boson missile? It's a bosom mizzle. It's a businessle. Uh <laughs> Tom that's Waits what should they... do more songs about ships. Uh, Bosun mizzle is the fastest one I mean, now. Keep, keep the lines, the, lines right and the brass I mean, shining. That's what they're there for. Shine the brass and keep the lines right. It's not how the December sound. Oh
0: sorry. <laughs> the yeah. I believe that would go a little something like this. Does <laughs> <clears throat> uh, he quote his own lyrics in his Twitter bio?
1: I don't know. Okay. I haven't looked at Colin's Twitter bio, bio in a while. Okay, I, uh, I, you know, nothing would surprise me. Mm-hmm. Boy, we really are in a very, very subdued. Have you had coffee? I've had two
0: coffees. I had two coffees and uh, and uh, and some uh, over-the-counter, uh, pharmacist over the counter pharmacist pharmacist. <laughs> <laughs> Used to be we would tend our herd. Yeah right. Well, oh, I had some. Uh, I had. Some, uh, my friend has recently reintroduced me to um, uh, sinus medicine, so that uh, gives me a little little energy, but it hasn't really kicked in yet. Be careful of that. Stuff. I was listening to acapella music.
1: It really it really threw me off. I used to sit at my at my mainframe computer <gasps> mm. and do my tweets. Sit there in the cold room. Sit up there at the desk. Make sure the lines are right. I would log on. <laughs> <laughs> Call it, call it handshaking. And what is that? Handshaking? Hand-
0: handshaking, yeah. It's when the modems are talking to each other and working some things out. Mm-hmm. And then the,
1: then the uh, website, mm-hmm. I would go to the website of uh, Twitter. And start to load. You get a coffee, come back mm-hmm. 20 minutes later. And then I'd go on there and I'd read all the tweets that mm-hmm. had been tweeted the following day. Like all, 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 all 20 of them. Uh-huh. And I would have. I would go. Oh, that person is amusing. Oh, their run went quite well. And then I would. Their say... Their Thai food sounds quite toothsome. I would put my hands together and I'd rub them. <laughs> <laughs> here we go. Here we go. Crack my knuckles. Uh-huh. Put the fingertips to the keyboard and say, "What witticisms ah, posed today?" Les mots just. Oh, those were the. Halcyon days, mm-hmm. tweeting, but then, like all drugs, mm-hmm. my teeth fell out. Yeah, my cheeks sunk. My seeks chunk. Your seeks chunk. You're living on a boat. Can't keep the lines right. All of a sudden, everything smells like mold, and
0: my my greatest enemy is moisture. I like the, I like the smell of your RV. My family does not. I like it. I didn't I didn't notice it. My family did, but I like it, the smell. It smells like the seventies. You're talking
1: about the motor oil and the the nascent it's got
0: it's got a it's got a, it's got a kind of something.
1: enduring moist uh aspect mm, yeah i mean i guess every single kind of well this is the thing about small houses yeah right my friend was saying small houses are what uh this is like this is the future and um and so they were looking at like uh, these little uh cute cute little cedar shingled little homes and i was like well why not get a uh, why not get a, uh, Gulf, an Airstream?
0: Don't get a Gulfstream. Stream. Mm-hmm. Those are than. very costly. That's like having a boat. It's a skyboat. A skyboat. But if you get an Airstream. That, but for what it's worth, the guy who lived on a boat in the 90s mm-hmm. uh, now sold, sold, on sold an airplane? Sold, no, he sold, sold Gulf Streams. That was his no. job. He was to use a Gulfstream salesman. Really? Sold, uh, David Geffen, uh, Dr. Bill Cosby. He, he sold uh, gul, uh, uh, Gulf Streams to people.
1: Wait a minute! You're telling me that Bill Cosby owned his own Gulfstream? Yeah, yeah. He so, uh, so
0: I, I don't want to say too much, but he was he did uh, pre-owned Gulfstream sales.
1: Oh, nice. So if you're, if you're
0: looking Gulfstream to get into a Gulfstream. Gulfstream Four, Gulfstream Five comes out. You want a Four? Right. He, he's how? What's it going to take to put you in a Gulfstream today? Right. Sure. He's a broker. He's he
1: broke he brokers Gulfstreams. Keeps, keeps know, the lines right. I know a guy, a good, pretty pretty good friend in college, whose job is to design custom interiors for Boeing business jets. Is that
0: a fact? My, my brother-in-law specializes in, turns out, electronics for boats. He's, he's a nautical <laughs> electronics expert. Wow. So if you want, like, because, you know, you don't, it's not just your DVD player and stuff. No. He does that. He does the sound, but he does all of the, like, the stuff that makes the boat run. The
1: radars and stuff. You got the sonars, you got the radars, bonars. You know, my sister dated a guy for a long time who was a, a, a boat electrician. I bet that's hard. That's, so, that's, yeah. that's what Sam does, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and uh, it's, yeah, you're right. You got to work in confined spaces, little teeny. But little... You, get to, you get to just, it's like writing checks.
0: Because those, those boat folks, they're, they're used to people, you know, giving them the mast. They're, they're used right. to everything costing more. It's, it's oh, yeah. like staying at a resort when you live on a boat. Sure, I mean, just go. in the sense that, you know, you're not going to have as much selection and it's going to cost a lot and they just laugh at you. Yeah, my mom used to,
1: because my dad had a boat, right, when my mom and dad were married. Oh, that, that
0: could... makes sense.
1: She used to say that if you needed a part, you could go to the hardware store and get the part or you could go to the boat hardware store and pay 50 times more for the same part. But it had a but it came in a package that said for boats. Oh. And when I was when she was pregnant with me, she said, "David, you need to get rid of this boat." 'Cause it was all he did, right? He was because he raced it. He was a sailboat racer. Oh my gosh. Every weekend and every sunny day he was out, you know, winter summer out racing his sailboat against other sailboats around. You know, when you look out at the beautiful water and you see this flotilla of fast moving sailboats, like he was just loved that. Just loved to be in the mix. And uh he and his his he tried to get the entire family to be his crew, but uh as time went on he didn't. Um, he, his his older kids didn't like to be captained, if you know what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. And uh my mom didn't didn't prefer to be a part of a sailboat crew either. So he, you know, then he she, assembled. She likes getting the, up
0: early, but she, I don't think she doesn't seem like she particularly relishes uh agreeing to take orders from people.
1: Well, and also the saltwater spray and the yo ho ho. That's all yeah. you gotta have that spirit, right? And my mom would have preferred, infinitely preferred. To have been reading *The French Lieutenant's Woman* on the dock and watch the sailboat go by—that's That's kind of hot, if I could she's, say. <laughs> she's probably she's probably wearing, at that point in time, 1960. She's got big sunglasses on. She's got her hair in a kerchief, and she's uh, and probably wearing three-quarter length capri white capri pants. Oh man! And she's watching the sailboat go by. That's fine with her. Mm-hmm. Dad's out there with a jaunty cap, but then when she got pregnant. She said, You got to get rid of this boat. This boat is A, a hole in the water where you shovel money, and B, it takes all your time. And, uh, you know, it's not something really we share in as a couple. Ditch the boat. Mm-hmm. Like, we got a kid on the way, and my dad sold the boat and immediately bought an airplane. Oh, dear. Uh, which is, you know, in his style. But <laughs> See, so I grew, up, I grew up with the airplane. I never had any, I don't have any sailing experience.
0: Can I, let me run a concept test on you because I, uh, I don't know much about things. But it feels like you 've got mostly you know you think about maslow 's hierarchy of airplanes you mm. you got you start out with like okay, you have to have a place to live it 's nice to have a place to live a secure place to live mm. so like a, a, in time you may get like a vacation rental or you may get a cabin maybe you get maybe you get a like one of those strap on trailers that you put on the back of your truck so you can drive mm. around but it feels Perfect. like there are these levels to this where you know, maybe, maybe it could be you're the model trains. I don't know. But it feels like you move up this ladder that uh-huh. might, might start with something fairly modest. could start mm-hmm. with a rowboat for all I know. But, mm-hmm. like, it seems like if you've got the mo- money, most men will go up this ladder of yes. going to, like, second car, camper, boat. Boat that you can, like, stay on mm-hmm. until eventually they get to the airplane, if they can.
1: Right. Well, I think airplane is a special kind of person. Uh, so there are right now, like I have plenty of friends who, and in fact, some people who listen to this very podcast, who are still in their youth, mm-hmm, if you will, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. who are already on the airplane track.
0: You're like, saying there even today, despite the hipster cyber hovels, there, there are millenniums that are on the airplane track.
1: There are millenniums who the airplane is there. That it was always the airplane and it will always be the airplane. <laughs> so That feels like right, something from our generation. Well, except there – so I never fully understood. Like I grew up flying planes. I was very immersed in Alaska airplane culture. But I never fully understood it because I inherited the desire to sit on the dock reading The French Lieutenant's Woman with my hair in a kerchief. Right? Like I would prefer to be reading a book to almost any – uh, kind of like uh sport let's say and I like to travel and I like to adventure and I like to get in trouble and I like to do stuff but if it if it's something like hey we're going to spend 45 minutes trying to get this motor started so that we can drive this motorized thing over that dune and then we're going to come back over the dune faster and try and jump it six inches in the air my feeling about it is always like, well, yeah, that sounds fun. I hope you get the motor started. When you do, maybe I'll take a turn. But if, if it was if up to me, I would leave the thing unstarted. And why don't we all sit here on this dune and read? Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's just a difference in, in, I guess, a difference in what you consider sporting maybe or maybe they don't like to read. But whatever it is, I my, you know, my dad and I would go flying because he loved to fly. And he would get in that plane, he'd read his checklists and we'd walk around, and we'd take the chucks out and we'd pick the po- poke and we'd mm. pull, the, pull all the little flags that say, do not remove until it's time to fly, but you must remove it if you do want to fly. All the little, you know, and then I'd sit and read the checklist out loud. Yeah. You know, carburetor heat. And he would say, On! I would say 10 degrees of flaps, and he would say 10 degrees of flaps. You know, it was like,
0: oh, see, I, I like that part. I put the book down for a minute if I got to yell
1: things back and forth like that. Oh, it's super fun, super fun. But, but, uh, but, you know, of my own accord, I would just sort of never embark on once I'm there. Yes, absolutely. Like, here we go. But, but I would never embark upon the, the, all the lead up to it. And that's why me buying an RV was kind of a surprise because it was like, now I got a thing that, <laughs> now that I got a thing and basically I should have a checklist and somebody should be yelling it at me. Why did I do this? But so he loved, he loved all of that. And the fly, and then the flying. And and frankly, the flying, here's what the flying is. <laughs> Out the window Mm -hmm. but oh he was just in you know he was uh, loved it and 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 i would say let's you know let's get let's really get down you know 500 feet off the ground and let's like let's fly through a barn and he would say (laughs) no that's dangerous i'm very comfortable up here at 3500 feet and i'd be like oh that's no that's no adventure this is just we're just like puttering along and he's like yeah we're puttering along Pretty soon we'll we'll land somewhere. Ugh. I mean, I, you know, like he really loved it. And I think that that is a thing that a certain type of person just wants, loves, you know, and they, they, they get their license. Then they, then they lease planes or they, you know, they rent them first and then they lease their own. And then very after a while they save up their money and they buy a 1954 Cessna 152. Then they got their own plane, and then they move up the the Maslow's hierarchy of planes, where it's like, now okay. I want a Super Cub, or now I want a 172. Now I got to get a 185. See, that then once, you're, once you're at that point, I think that, uh, I can just say for myself, that applies to
0: lots of different things. Whether, like, you start out buying this one comic book, and then you want the trade paperback, then you want the collected version, or, like, I've seen it with people with things like, re- you know, remote control devices, yes. or people who say, oh, I'll just, I'll get this one little, you know, Hundred dollar drone off of Amazon,
1: and then they're they're all in. Well, now, t- uh, but but like this is true of everything, right? How it many dro- yeah. how many drones are there right now that are sitting at the bottom of someone's closet and will never be flown again? Right now, yeah, over five thousand. You think you think just you think as few as five thousand? I think it's like a thigh master. Yeah, right. You I, I you, want you get
0: it, you get it, and then you don't use it for a couple weekends, and then you forget about it.
1: I, I told every time I see a drone, I'm like, God, I want one of those drones. But if I had one of those drones, it would, I'd, you know, I'd end up in the top of a closet. I don't have enough use for it. And watching it go up and come back down. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. What, what is a trade paperback?
0: Uh, I first heard that term. Like, so like it's based. I think that the general term for it is when you go to a bookstore, you got the hardcover books. And then you've got when it's like, uh, what's the word? Perfect bound? Like when you've Mm -hmm. got like the square spine Mm -hmm. on something and like the less expensive version? Yeah. So like trade paperbacks in comics are, or TPBs, sometimes called graphic novels if it's all one story, is when you collect four or more issues of a run in this one edition. And if you're like me and you're kind of a cheapskate and uh, you could do what's called trade waiting, which means you wait until the trade paperback comes out. There's another term there's the term for then. There's the really cheap pulpy ones. So you got hardbacks You got trade paperbacks, and you get the really pulpy ones you get like at the checkout. Yeah, uh, you know what I mean?
1: Yeah I think there might be like at least used to be like three levels um I'm just it's I'm just remembering there was a time when people treated their computers like the like highly customizable upgradable put your you know, pour all your money into having your computer be super fast and super smoking and cool and rad. Mm-hmm. Do people still do that?
0: It's it's actually had kind of a renaissance. It used to be that it's it, that's. It used to kind of be the case with Macs, but it's, I think, always been the case with PCs that you can do all kinds of stuff to it and you can, in fact, make one yourself. It's something our our friend Dan Benjamin used to do for a living is you can make Mm. them from scratch and sell them. And then at a certain point, I think that became something mostly people who were really into video games did because you get a super tricked out one. And I remember for a time, you could get like funny cases, make it look steampunk or whatever. And now Mm. now today with the uh, ridiculous stagnation in Apple's hardware releases, people are returning to something Called making a Hackintosh, which <laughs> is when you you get parts and you make a make your own Macintosh because uh, you can't do like serious like Oculus Rift style VR, you can't do super high end video games, so people are resorting to making their own Macs at this point.
1: So, <clears throat> but to answer your question,
0: it's it's been a big deal for a long time. Back from the days where you get a computer kit and make it at home through sure. the PC days, eighties and nineties, mm-hmm. and now today I think it's it's seeing kind of a renaissance, especially among Linux and PC.
1: Um, Windows people. Wow, that was really well articulated. Thank you. What a good answer to that question. I guess I'm waking up a little bit. Getting, um, getting the lines right. So do, can you go, because uh, it seems to me like if you walk into any kind of Apple-based enterprise, like the store or the website, mm-hmm. there's not a lot of, you know, they control those environments so that you. it's not like you can w- go out the back door and and, and say, oh, I'm just going to sit in the backyard for a while. Like it, everything you do Somebody is grabbing you by the hand and saying, "Don't you mean over here?" It, it all it like feels to... like it feels like everyone is on stage at an Apple store.
0: Yeah. If you go to a Fry's and just start wandering around in the transistor aisle, it's like eh, whatever. It's like a big Radio Shack. But at Apple, it feels like you're like at a performance.
1: Yeah. So I don't see anywhere in there where there is a there is a carefully like um, vacuum sealed bag with like customizable Apple parts, like build your own. Right. It seems very much like here you go, like and then you get the headphone and then you get the you know, then you get the uh, doily and then you go to checkout. Yeah. Um so where would you if you were gonna hackintosh a thing, where would you get these hackintosh parts?
0: Um, I don't know a lot about it. I know it's it's kind of a hobbyist sort of thing, unless you are like a like a real Uh, if you're a computer engineering type, it's Mm. less difficult, but it's a lot of like following diagrams and buying certain parts. And the particularly difficult with Mac stuff is, or Apple stuff, is that uh, there's all kinds of things that can change in the software that they probably will deliberately try to change to keep that from being a thing. Just there's been a, uh, over the years with, this is really boring, over the years with Apple, there's been this move to uh become more operationally efficient and be able to like get make a lot of their own parts or have their parts made for them and then to put them into a body that's increasingly lighter and thinner where it's it's very it's gotten very very difficult to service your own mac Hmm. let alone uh alter it so in some cases you, you can't you can't even change the ram
1: in it I've had this very same experience with myself. I keep trying to put all of my hardware into a faster and lighter body. Yes, but uh, then it becomes increasingly difficult to service. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then, <clears throat> and then uh, the analogy breaks down around the RAM. Yeah, sure. A little thicker but, in the middle. But it, but you know, <clears throat> it worked up until then. So how's your how's your bandwidth? Getting, getting uh, good bandwidth. Pretty good bandwidth, although mm-hmm. people around me have started to say that I am not uh, remembering everything. Oh, boy.
0: I, I I, I've, I've I had – this has been a tough year for me. I am starting to actually really, really notice some problems oh that, that make me a little fearful. Are you using
1: the right uh, octane of gas? Put, put that low low grade gas in there, there's a lot of water in that gas. Well I noticed I noticed for a while when
0: I would hear myself speaking on podcasts, I noticed something, we've talked about this, but something that I do occasionally, which is I say something and I I, I unintentionally say the opposite of what I meant to say. Hmm. Like, like, I'm just kind of, I'm used to being quick on my feet and fast-tongued, and so I could I feel like I could fly th- through this array of 50 different options and go, ah, just spin the wheel and land on yeah. this one thing. And <laughs> right. now I get that wrong a lot. I just say oh. the wrong thing. Oh, dear. You know, I might say Thomas Mann when I mean John Locke. There's lots of ways in which I can get a little confused. But now also I notice that I feel almost like I have an aphasia, like the words that come out of my mouth are like, you know, may I mambo dog face to the banana patch? Mm. I don't think it's huge. It's mostly in the morning. It's mostly when I'm waking up. But it is, as we say in the computer industry, it is a known issue. Mm, Known issues. It's a known issue.
1: I, uh, yeah, you know, I got a lot going on. Mm -hmm. And it requires that I be really, you know, really sharp all the time. Oh, is that right? Yeah, just I have to be really, really sharp because a just, lot of just, people just doing all the things you need to do for your yeah. enterprise. Yeah, yeah. All my enterprises—they're mm-hmm. all you know—they all require that I really, really be on top of the game. You know, from sure. dawn to dusk. You're Doing things operationally, you got like you got meetings to go to. Yeah, you, thousands you have, you have of people. people you, are you, well,
0: you got you got to keep the lines right.
1: Well, you got to keep the lines right, right? I mean, you know, a lot of people are are feeding their families. Mm. And uh, when when you so start talking, you feel, talking that you about
0: feel them, the weight of that responsibility.
1: You do. You start yeah. thinking about people feeding their families.
0: Yeah. Right. And then you people, say they don't, they don't tell you that. They don't tell you that in business school.
1: Can I afford to let to let it down to let those lines go slack mm. for one minute? G- given all the people that are trying to feed their families, so I can't afford to have a decrease in bandwidth. I can't afford to uh, to mistake Thomas Mann for uh, for uh Jeremiah Locke.
0: When you're right. When when you're working at that level and you confuse a, a Robert Robert Mann with uh with a, a Zebediah Locke.
1: Right. Or a Robert Burns. A
0: Robert Burns. Or a, or uh you start t- Robert maybe start talking Burns. like Robert Burns in the morning a little bit. Mm-hmm. No, that's that the thing is when you're operating at the scale, you are in in, in many ways much like a Walmart where mm. things that you change, alter or get wrong at that scale have an impact.
1: A butterfly flaps its wings, Merlin. Yeah, and pretty soon the price
0: of Sprite goes through the roof because you're not you know paying attention. You weren't keeping an eye butterflies the lines, right? all the way down. Butterfly. Mm. Mm. Uh,
1: I, <clears throat> I, i uh, you know, we've talked about this quite a bit. That yeah. uh, that that obviously, like, uh, I <clears throat> never believed uh, that I that I was mortal or even fallible, and now. You know, over the course of obviously many decades you, <laughs> you look learn across between Baltimore and the Pope. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, basically, right? I'm like an <laughs> infallible, <laughs> immortal being. I'm sort of like blue penis man.
0: Oh, yeah, right. You can see, che- yeah,
1: right. Except he doesn't, you know, he's got a from what I can understand, has a moral uh, there's a little there it feels like there are some chinks in his moral armor. Easy. A little bit ping pong. Yeah, yeah. also he forgets stuff like that Laurie needs to breathe on Mars. See, that's that's easy to forget because you're consumed with other things because a lot of people need to feed their families.
0: Yeah, I think ever since he became Blue Penis Man, he's had, I'm trying to avoid using some delicate medical terms, but he has a certain distance from the feelings
1: and needs of others. I see, I see. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. He's a little spectral. I feel like Billy Crudup, for a brief period was he was going to be my actor do you ever get that feeling where you're like that guy that's he, my he was, actor. I, first of all
0: i'm amazing i'm amazed that you could see i just it. Uh, i'm amazed that you could pull that that quickly that he was blue penis man in the movie he was also in uh, he was an almost famous right
1: that's kind of what he's known for he was an almost famous but he was also in Jesus' son i love his voice a great movie oh
0: Jesus' Jesus's son that's billy crudup
1: yeah that's totally you're right that's totally him and so billy crudup extremely handsome
0: There are times in your life when you feel like, this could be my actor. This is my actor. I had that feeling about Ed Burns. Ed Burns, is that his name? Who's the guy in the uh, Fight Club movie?
1: Yeah, Ed. uh, Edward Burns? Edward uh, Scissorhands. Burns Sides? Edward Ruddyface. No, Edward. uh, Roderick uh, Roderick, uh, Kipling. uh, Runnymede. Right. Brad, Brad Delp. He was that guy. Do you remember the first time uh, that he appeared on the scene? American History X guy. Well,
0: the thing is, he had like two giant, very different movies come out. It felt like the same day. What were those? Well, I remember he was in Everyone Says I I Love You. He was in uh, Everyone Says I Love You, uh, the Woody Allen movie. And then he was also in, I want to say Fight Club, I think was 98. But like he seems like he's one of those like a Kevin Spacey where it seems like <laughs> he just suddenly came out of nowhere. He was he was everywhere within like a year. He was recognized
1: immediately as a very good actor. He was, very, he was, he was versatile. He was committed. Versatile and committed. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first time I saw him was in he he played the attorney <gasps> in uh, The People versus Larry Flint. Oh, of course. He was also in that uh, No Spoilers movie. Uh, he was in the
0: uh, one with the, uh, with the Buddhist guy Freaking from Pretty You'll oh, come on. He was in the uh, Defense for the History. No, he Flop was in with, fly. with, uh, with uh, Richard Gere. Remember? And there was a change him up in that one? Is it Who's a Whale? You, you remember the one. He's Richard? the guy in jail and Richard Gere's defending him. It's uh, a witness uh, for the prosecution. Uh, I never saw that either. Uh, uh, Edward Norton. Edward Norton, Edward Burns is the guy in those other movies. Oh, oh, Norton. Norton. Uh, <laughs> to the moon, Alice.
1: So he was also, oh, yeah, I thought that's my guy. That's Edward my actor. Norton. 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 And, and, uh, and Billy Crudup could have been that. I mean, you know, Leonardo DiCaprio was never my actor. Yeah. Let's just, let's just come right out and say it.
0: You know, if you were, if you were eight years younger, it could be a maybe. You're a little yeah. too old to be to 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 have much respect for uh for him especially when, yeah. when he was younger and he had that hair good hair
1: nice hair and I thought he did a very good job oh, in what's man. eating Gilbert grape oh yeah but I did not like any of the subsequent things That's and a good the thing movie. is I don't mind Leonardo DiCaprio movies mm-hmm. I just am ne- he's never going to be my guy we well, should figure way- out where he's going with the facial hair.
0: I, I find it troubling because every time I see him, I think he, he it seems like he's forever in facial hair transition. Mm. And
1: I don't think that's an enduring look for an adult man. He still seems like a teenager to me, even though I know he's in his 40s. He seems to
0: me. He, he feels like a townie to me. He mm. feels like somebody that went to a school that used to be prestigious, uh, finished without much uh, you know, acclimation, and then kind of just hung around for a while.
1: I see. He's a townie. Yeah, okay. I get, I get what you're saying.
0: He's a rich townie. Primal Fear. Yeah. Oh. Primal, Primal fear, fear,
1: 1996. No, I never
0: saw that. I would note that Edward Norton was in no movies in 1997.
1: Well, and so this is my question about Billy Crudup. What yeah. happened to Billy Crudup? He, I, I thought he was going to be the biggest star in the world. Yeah, he, he had a lot of gravitas. What's he doing now? Why well, the hell he, is Matthew McConaughey, hey, hey, yeah uh, winning all these Oscars while Billy Crudup is what mowing the lawn? Oh, somewhere? he was also in Big Fish. Look at that!
0: Yeah, that's pretty weird. The, yeah, I'm yeah. looking at this. Uh, he pray love. It feels like these days everybody becomes a voice actor. Whenever you're wondering what someone's doing, they're they're probably a voice actor now, or, or Christian. Oh, in, voice acting or like a Christian Spanker. I,
1: you know, I was talking. I was on. a, I did this little uh, this little TV production the other day where I, I spent two days making these. um, these videos for the uh, Visit Seattle group um, where I had a talk show set on the back of a flatbed truck and we drove around and, and on the top of the talk oh, show is this, set. What,
0: was Jason Finn involved in this?
1: Well, I invited him onto the stage. I saw a place. photo of you guys talking on, on the stage. Up on up on top above the, so the the, uh, the stage set was a desk and a couch and some potted ferns or potted plants. On a flatbed truck, and then over the top of it were in giant, uh, sort of old-fashioned lights—not neon lights, but like uh, lettered lights that have light bulbs in them. You know, like um, oh, like you'd have a single one in a coffee shop in Portland. Yeah, that's right. Like the letter K is above the coffee shop. And it Used to be from from Kurt's Coffee or something, but now it's just a yeah. like, hey, <laughs> we're cool. But this was the the whole top of this thing was like it said hashtag Hey Seattle hmm. across the top of the truck. And there was a lot, you know, there was a lot that about the whole project that's, that scared me a little bit. Like um, this is, you know, maybe is this corny or maybe is this going to be fun or is it like one of those corny things that's going to be fun? Uh, but it was, you know, it was fun. We drove around town and we, we parked in front of the Space Needle and then I had these Letterman-like viewer mail cards, where I Would read them and say, hashtag, hey, Seattle. How do I find the best? Which is the best men's room in the uh, Space Needle? Hmm. And then I would use my own knowledge and say, you know, funny, none of the restrooms at the Space Needle are of the caliber that that a gentleman is going to require. Turns out, but the the uh, the restrooms at the you know the EMP are cleaned every fifteen minutes. So just hop on over to the EMP. You know, this type of thing, where I'm giving, I'm giving advice to people who are coming to the city. Okay.
0: And right um, were there people following you from place to place because they had questions?
1: Uh, the, the, there was, uh, There was less of that, but I did have guests come up. And at one point, Jason Finn was one of the guests because I kept getting these questions like, what's the best distillery in town? Hmm. Where do I go to drink Washington wines? How, what kind of brew pub should I, and I'm just like, I don't have any answers to these. My answer is, fuck you, go to AA. Hmm. Or... Or even if I'm if, even if I'm not being a lit, like flip, mm-hmm. my answer is I don't know. I honestly don't care. If you if you really come into Seattle and you want to know what the distilleries are, I presume you can find that on the internet. Um, but okay,
0: I'll try and. Get that probably an does, doesn't doesn't sound that good coming off
1: the back of a truck. Well, and it's not really like what you do if you're like doing tourist videos. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, you want Washington wines? Yeah, there are <laughs> 75 resources for that um let me google that for you (laughs) yeah let me google it for you but so i kept getting these questions so i was like you know what i'm gonna get my pal jason finn up here because he's gonna even if he doesn't know he's gonna talk like he knows and he got up and 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 he was like i don't know anything about the you know brew pubs anymore that's something i knew 25 years ago and i'm like don't worry about it so we talked about some brew pubs that we knew about and um yeah it was great and you know i actually at one point had tim burgess my opponent from the um, from my race for Seattle City Council, oh. the current sitting city councilman Tim Burgess, he got up at one point and we. Uh, He's also know, the
0: singer for the Charlatans.
1: Right, uh, that's Tim Burgess, UK. Okay. Oh, good point. All right. Uh, we uh, so we you know we traded we traded the dozens a little bit and we uh, we had some fun. It was nice to see Tim Burgess again, but all by way of saying that I was, as in all film shoots the amount of time that you're up doing the your on camera stuff is dwarfed by mm-hmm. the amount of time you spend sitting around in a trailer with a bunch of It's it's,
0: it's the loadout all over again. That's right. You're back well, watching uh, Richard Richard Pryor on the video.
1: Yeah, so I'm you know I'm talking uh, I'm talking to the makeup lady and I'm talking to the to the uh the uh, the wardrobe lady and I'm talking to the the uh, lady who is the second assistant camera person. And I'm talking to the grip and the other grip and the key grip dolly boy. And in talking about all these things, right? Everybody, it's just like rock and roll. You get a bunch of rock and roll people in there and right away, you're telling stories like, Oh yeah. Did I ever tell you about the time that I, you know, that I met the guy from third eye blind in the restroom at the center house and la la la. And everybody's like, no way I've got a story about that guy or I've got a story about another guy. And pretty soon you're just, it's, it's the whole nature of the entertainment business. I don't know if this is true in other industries. Oh, yeah. If, if software people get together, they're just like, beep, 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 beep. No, they're, 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 they got their own hand house.
0: Right. So it's the I, house. I, I peed next to Mark Wahlberg not too long ago. No. He's a little really? guy. He's, re, he's yeah, smaller he's, than you guess.
1: He's not tall. I, would, I think all act, TV actors are small. Or a, a um, movie
0: actor. What's the head size? This is why you should probably be on TV. Get off that truck get on TV. You you have yeah. a very very prominent head. Big head, small body is, yeah.
1: is the TV. Is oh, the, you're halfway there. The uh, yeah, that's right. I don't have. I'm there's no small part of me. Mm-mm, they're only small actors. But yeah, but you can always tell an actor is small because when they have the romantic scene, they're like three inches uh, taller than the uh, than the lead actress. Yeah, and of course, as we know. Uh, you cannot be a lead actress if you are taller than four eleven, right? Or something like. Like oh, yeah, yeah the,
0: uh, what? Are, uh, Brienne of Tarth,
1: right? Oh, Brienne of Tarth. She's very. She's she's over, six, she's over six feet tall. Yeah, she's she's tall. She's also the stormtrooper. Who was the one? Uh, oh, she's the she's the she's the lady stormtrooper. stormtrooper. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, interesting. She, I love her. Who's the actress who played the uh, press secretary in The West Wing? Uh, Allison Janney. Alison yeah, Janney. I she's, watched a movie with her last night. She's very yeah, tall. I like her as an actor.
0: I'll also at this point recommend the movie Spy.
1: Uh, was that the, the h- hilarious one?
0: Well, here's the thing: I tried watch. So we watched, so we went and saw Ghostbusters for the second time yesterday. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Equally great the second time, and right. then I thought, you know what? I should give this Spy movie a third spin because Spy, only, I only, didn't, I couldn't make it out of the first act because I thought it was okay, but it it's gets the one starring the star of the Ghostbusters. Yeah, it's a Suki yeah. from uh, Gilmore Girls, and so but it gets I, so
1: good, it gets so good. I went to see Spy oh. when it first came out because you may know this about me. Yeah. Anything that has the word spy in it. Oh, sure. I will you know, it's right there on the tin. Yeah. If you if you opened a distillery. I didn't mean to take you off your truck. Sorry about that. That's oh, all right. But if you opened a distillery in Seattle and you called it spy, I would go in there and I'd drink all the booze. I'd fall right off the wagon. Not a boy. Go ahead and cut cut that ribbon. It says spy. Yeah. Maybe there's some spy stuff. Yeah. So I went to see the movie Spy and I laughed and laughed. Oh. So I th- funny. I thought it was
0: hilarious. That guy, it, Paul Feig gets this cast of people. He, the same, you know, some of the same like featured people you saw in The Incredible Bridesmaids. He's got this cast of characters who can do straight in a way that's like Rose Byrne is a treasure.
1: She's so freaking funny. Yes. Yes. And the actress this, uh, for whom this movie is a star vehicle. Melissa McCarthy. Melissa McCarthy. I fell in love with her immediately. Uh-huh. I thought that she was both hilarious and also great. And so, I, and I said, this movie, everything about this movie is dumb and this should be a dumb movie. But it is not a dumb movie because it is totally carried by this tremendous actor. And also uh, uh, like all the, things that are, all the things that are just on the cusp of being really corny and bad uh-huh. are on the right side of that cusp. So it's like, aha, that's pretty close to bad, but it's actually great.
0: Like Peter Serafinowicz, uh, whom I adore as this, like, just this side of straight up sexual assault, but mm-hmm. so, so funny in that role. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Yeah, mm-hmm. great, great bit parts. Well, so I And was, Spy, uh, so you were there, you, you came for the Spy and you stayed for the Suki. I came for the Spy, I mm-hmm. stayed for
1: the Suki. Mm-hmm. I don't know what the second half of that means. You but watch I watch Gilmore Girls, it's really good. I, you know, I had a song on Gilmore Girls. You've told me that, yeah. yeah but I don't know. Uh, I can't. I've What's, never what is
0: it? Probably Fi- Fire Island.
1: I'm pretty much a pushover or something. Well, what about the, know, is that the bump, 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 bump song? Deep deep I went, I was at a party two days ago. The guy who owns the guitar store that I used to work at many years ago, who's, you know, he's like, he's that style of rock and roll where he still has a really big pompadour and he sells very high end guitars now. That's cool. Uh, and he said, I haven't seen you guys play in a long time. And I was like, well, yeah, the long winners haven't played in a long time. He said, the last time I went to see you play, I really, you know, I really felt like, I mean, I don't, I don't say this very often, but I really felt like there was kind of a Dave Matthews vibe going on. Oh man. And I was like, what? And he said, I mean, and then he kind of said said over his shoulder kind of as a side. I mean, that's not really my thing, but I really liked you. I was like, okay, you're wrong and then you're second wrong and then the, then you threw a little insult in there and yeah thanks that's thanks for the non compliment and he's a good pal what was, what was he trying to communicate with that there's a thing about rock and roll and i think that he was you know he's always been rock in the, like in the 80s he was in a lot of hair metal bands hair hair rock and roll bands but then he made the transition when he got into selling guitars to realizing that what was cool was garage rock, and garage rock is garage rock is very seldom going to ever sell any records or be or anybody is going to care about it. But it's also always going to be super cool.
0: Mm-hmm. And it's got it's got its cult.
1: It's got a cult, right? And the the Strokes were basically garage rock, who became a, a fairly big band for a while. But even they were just a big indie band. The Strokes never. No, the Strokes were never like a huge pop band, Hmm. but he's he's garage rock is what's cool, you know, dang, 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 dang. And what he was saying, I think, is that he detected that element in the Long Winters that is a little bit that there's a tiny, tiny, tiny element of of white dude groove in there, just in the sense that. That all of our pick strokes are not downstrokes, mm. right? Guitar uh, uh, garage rock is just jang 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 chang 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 chang, and every once in a blue moon, the long winners will go chang dang 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 or whatever. I don't disagree with that point, but boy, you could have picked a better band. To say oh that. yeah, so he throws Dave Matthews at it. It's like you hmm. could say forty million bands. That's that that's, that's the nuclear of- option. Yeah, including like Jimi Hendrix or whatever. I mean, there's there's so many, so many ways that you could have said that. And so I'm not sure whether he wanted to, a little bit cut me off at the knees. But there's also an element where I feel like at the moment when he was at the show, I did one particular thing that he thought, huh, Dave Matthews E. And he planted a flag in his mind, and then that was the last, and the flag was the only thing that he remembers, right? He like watered the, he watered the ground around. What the happens that
0: happens though, you imprint on things. Like, if, you yep. know, I- I- I've told you before the first time I heard
1: more
0: than shapes. First time I heard shapes, it reminded me of Haircut 100, which makes almost no sense. Although I'm sure I'm, it wasn't intended, but I'll to this that. day, I still I still hear a little bit of Love Plus One, and I, I can't even tell you exactly what it is. But that, now that that came out, I think about uh, about twenty three years ago, and uh, it still sounds like Haircut One Hundred to me. Yeah,
1: that's fine because I printed so, I printed on that, but it was one of those like, well, that conversation's over. I guess I'm going <laughs> to wander back over to the barbecue because there's nowhere I can go. That's them fighting words, and he was like, and I think he recognized, you know, he tried to laugh it off, like ha 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 uh but but the damage was done but you know he's a guy in his 50s and we're you know we've been friends for years sure it's not a problem but uh but the uh the point whoa i that's very unusual that i lose a point maybe i'm losing my memory hmm uh, oh no so I was talking to my makeup lady right on but TV, so we're back on the we're back on the truck now yeah on my TV show mm-hmm. and she and we started like a lot of production people in the northwest want to talk about a Twin Peaks because a lot of them worked on Twin Peaks and b they want to talk about um the uh TV show Baked Alaska the the, the one where the Northern were, an Exposure Northern Exposure thank you mm-hmm. And because they all worked on Northern Exposure, the ones that have been around for a long time. That took place in Alaska, but was it was Alaska, right? It was supposed to be in Alaska, but it, but it was set in or it was filmed in Seattle. Okay. Oh, okay. And uh, and in fact, when it was on the air, there was a there was a radio show in Anchorage, a call in radio show that would happen every Friday morning after the after Northern Exposure aired, which I guess was on Thursday night, and people would call in, and they would all. Uh, talk about all the inaccuracies of the program oh boy they would say like there was a red throated warbler in the show and there and that alaska is outside of the range of the red throated warbler oh. and they people would say like that's not the kind of grass that would be growing in homer or whatever and just like oh my god people <laughs> that's not the kind of grass <laughs> that would be growing in homer yeah people would say that type of thing like that would never uh. happen in alaska that you know that guy would have been thrown in the in the water uh but they were so i of course was like you worked on northern exposure and my makeup lady was like yeah i was i worked on the show from the beginning the entire run and i said okay let's let's get to the bottom of this was john corbett nice yes john corbett was really nice okay that's good that's good news i remember at the time john corbett was kind of hanging around the grunge scene a little bit Mm -hmm. like he'd cut he kind of post part owner of a club or something, he'd come down. He wanted to be in the scene. Huh. And I remember a lot of the grungy assholes would be like, Hollywood guy, what the fuck, you know, me, 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 me. But it turns out John Corbett was really nice according to the makeup lady, and I think she would know. What about Janine Turner? Well, this is the thing, right? Because I, I had a little thing for her. Just edging around. Yeah, you don't want to go straight to Janine Turner. I don't want to talk about Janine Turner first. You want to walk around and say, like, well, what oh, about yeah. this person? What about what that? What
0: about Holly uh, Vancouver? What was he like? Yeah, what, what about
1: this time? Oh, what about
0: yeah, this? that's interesting.
1: Yeah, he was a guy in War Games. Anyway, yeah, what's yeah. up? And, and everybody's like, yeah, and she's just said after uh, one after the other, like, uh, oh, they're just wonderful. Just, a, just the most wonderful cast, the wonderfulest uh, crew, everything about the show was wonderful, and I then I was like, "Well, what, 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 what about Janine Turner?" And then, oh no, oh, no, 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 no! And I'm like, "I, you know, I know that I know this, I know this already, I know this already, but I want to hear her say it." You've heard things. Oh, oh. for a long, long time. Even oh, when they were no. filming the show, people would come and people would come in, sit at the bar. And I'd be wiping a glass with a towel, and I'd say, what can I get you, partner? And they'd say, give me a double. And I'd say, hard day? And they'd say, ugh, working on Northern Exposure. And I'd go, tell me more. How's that Bill, how's that Bill Corbett? And they'd say, oh, he's a nice guy. What's so, uh, so you know, then i put the put the double in front of him, and they'd just shoot it down. And then they'd say, that's Janine Turner. mm I'd go, I'd lean in. Yeah. I'm here for you, partner. Because I had a real thing for her. She was like, she's
0: got, she's got, she ticks all of
1: your boxes. Yeah, she does. She's a very John Roderick uh, type of uh, person, including the clear, uh, the clear high maintenance ness mm-hmm. for that just exudes right out of her. But so I've heard this for years, and now here's her makeup lady. So I'm like, lay it on me. Mm hmm. Ugh! awful. Oh, just all the stories, all the terrible stories that you hear about terrible actors doing things where they they hold up the whole filming because they don't like the nail nail polish. You know, a lot of like doing things on purpose that cause all the tech staff to have to stay another four hours because of something, you know, like spill a can of paint on the set. Kick it over because you're mad. Whatever. Just awful, 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 awful. allegedly. Just well, yeah. Right. Allegedly. Except then my makeup lady says, Have you seen what she's been doing lately? And I was I said, No, I haven't really followed her career. Maybe I should Google her. Like I did um I did uh who did I Google not very long ago? Mary Lou Henner. Oh, was, Mary Lou Henner. It's like, oh, I was so in love with Mary. Wasn't me- she
0: into me- colon cleansing?
1: Yeah, and then I Googled her and it was, and she had this pretty booming business of like, I don't know, swallowing copper pennies in order to get your colon to, you know, believe in raw. Yeah, right, right, Open right. Up. Well, yeah, there's all, all kinds of toxins in there. Yeah, yeah, and the penny will the leach the toxins out. Leaches the toxins. Because of, because of free radicals. She's helping you keep the lines right. If you, it, you know, what happens is that one electron mm-hmm. uh, causes uh, metastasis. Oh, it's called, they call it one hit theory. The one hit there. All it takes is exposure
0: to that that one electron.
1: Just a northern exposure to that one electron.
0: And then you poop, you poop super hard, and you get super like a, a bi- bicycle inner tube comes out.
1: Mm-hmm. You can yeah. do
0: it with coffee too. You can do a coffee enema.
1: What 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 happens is that the penny mm-hmm. makes an amalgam with all of the mercury. Oh, you're saying it's science? It's science. They, they, oh, it's chemistry.
0: It's physics. It's uh, it's monastics. Num- it's uh, it's, it's, mm-hmm.
1: it's alchemistics alchemist remember our crumbs
0: brother used to swallow string and poop it
1: uh that's one of my favorite movies and yeah right you could i saw it, him it, when my it,
0: first trip to san francisco i was walking down the street and i did a like a quadruple take no it and was a, max right he was out in the world oh yeah he would sit with his little baking bowl and it i was like that's totally our crime. i think it's max no max is the other brother but did i was like that, know that's anybody? totally his brother
1: did you ever know anybody that could snort a piece of uh, uh, spaghetti and then pull it out the back of their mouth?:
0: No, I've, I've heard that that's a thing that can happen. I've seen it. I've seen it. And okay, you're I, saying it's not like it's not like the popcorn box. This is like a thing.
1: No, 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 I, there was a, I, I, had a, I had a really good friend that could snort a piece of spaghetti and then reach into the back of his uh, throat and mm-hmm. find the other end and pull it out and then floss his brain oh. with a long piece of sauce spaghetti, which was the absolute top bar trick I ever saw. And frankly, Merlin, I tried it many times. I would yeah. take a piece of spaghetti, I would try and snort it into my nose because I really wanted to have the ability to do this. I could do the Chevy, the, the Chevy Chase uh, cigarette uh, inside the mouth flip. Oh. Your, like, your
0: mouth is big enough for that.
1: Yeah, I'd flip a flip a cigarette in there huh. and then blow uh, smoke out of the filter, and then I could flip it back around outside. Oh, it was a very cool trick. But I could people, never. People don't have the same respect today for those kinds of tricks. Those bar tricks, right? You, yeah, all, well, the, all I've, these guys I've recently sit...
0: started doing nasal irrigation, so I can just tell you that when you do the nasal irrig- the sinus irrigation, it comes out the other nostril and it comes out of your mouth. So
1: I believe there's a spaghetti pathway. For sure, there was, and mm-hmm. I, and it's just enough. Spaghetti is just soft enough, I think, that if you break it in mm-hmm. there, it's going to find its way to your tummy.
0: Yeah, but to do the trick, you have to keep it a little bit al dente. You get like a number two, uh, yeah. well, not a noodle. You'd get you'd get a uh, like a thin or a, a full spaghetti. Yeah, you, you wouldn't yeah. want to do like a, like a
1: linguine. No, you wouldn't want a linguine, and you wouldn't want it to be too soft. Mm-mm. But I, you seem like the type of guy that used to have a lot of Zippo tricks. Did you have Zippo tricks? I had some Zippo tricks.
0: We uh, we mentioned this a bit. I, I had I had a few things I could do. I was a very lonely. Honestly, lonely is the wrong word. Uh, lonesome. Like Blope, I, I, yeah. I, I was, you know, kind of a lonesome latchkey. And... <laughs> And I would practice things a lot. Uh, I could do. Merlin. I made up lots of skills for myself, and then I would practice them for weeks. Knife throwing? Oh, yeah. Oh, knife throwing. Oh, throwing all things. Uh, wow. Yeah. Oh, Gadgets. yeah, yeah. But I would also I would come up with games of, like, could I bank this ball off of these two walls the same That'd, way three the, times?
1: Oh, Merlin, that is some lonely kid
0: stuff. I had, so, I had games that were designed for one lonely child. Um, <laughs> but you never worked on
1: close-up magic. No. See, Rick, Ricky Jay was a lonely kid and he just sat shuffling <laughs> cards. But then he found a problem. He you know what happened? Shuffled <laughs> cards for 45 years and now he's on HBO. And now he can't get rid of them. <laughs> How did I? What? <laughs> but so apparently <clears throat> Janine uh, Garofalo or whatever. Yeah. Is. And, uh, Alleg- this is Allegedly. Also, Allegedly. Also true of Janine Garofalo. Oh, right. I hear things about her.
0: See, I don't want to just make this sound like we're just, you know, bagging on women.
1: There's, well, lots of, there's lots
0: of terrible men. I just I don't terrible. want to
1: leave that impression. Leonardo DiCaprio. Terrible.
0: You think he's high maintenance?
1: Probably. Yeah. He keeps dating really young models from Sweden. Oh, that's not a good look. But uh, apparently, Janine is a rabid right wing. Uh, <gasps> Janine Turner. Janine Turner. No. Who had briefly a radio show where she was like a shouty, uh, like, Trumpista oh, no. she appeared with Sarah she Palin she campaigned for
0: Sarah Palin
1: Yeah. dyed her hair blonde according to my makeup lady oh, oh, oh. And, and was uh, like shouty Sarah Palin shouter mm. and I can only guess is like thrilled about uh, uh, Trump and so like I think she was always like that and hmm. now has become you know more and more like that she's a rancher she she so has
0: longhorn cattle. Oh yeah. She has been uh, engaged to Alec Baldwin, and she has dated <laughs> Troy Aikman, Mikhail Baryshnikov, and Sylvester Stallone.
1: Oh 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 oh. So my makeup lady says oh, now allegedly terrible, allegedly terrible gossip. But she said she always wanted to have a baby with a sports person. Aww. That's that's what my makeup lady said. You
0: think that's eugenics, John?
1: She wanted to have a baby with a sports person. How eugenics? How?
0: Well. I mean, we all kind of like are raised, our generation, like most before us were raised to think about like, what, like the stock of like, uh, you know, you got to marry well, you got to marry like a well, good stock. person, right? Yeah. You think she was trying to make like an Uber baby? Mm, maybe so. I mean, you know, uh, there's nobody I mean, that wants did she to want? Was she just down to clown something. with athletes or was she looking for something more long term with like, she wanted an uh, offspring that could throw a spiral?
1: I don't know. I, you know, when you think about athletes and the lives that they lead, and particularly like successful ones, and the the sort of what what seems to be like the relationship between athletes and their wives. You know, I'm talking about male athletes and their wives. Typically, mm-hmm. typically it, you know, it all kind of falls into a pattern, like the baseball stadium where the, they have the wives section and kind of pans over there, and you're like, oh, I see. It's a kind of baseball wife job almost. I don't, none of it, I don't know anything about it. I don't look at it and see anything that resembles anything that I know. So I have to just put it into a category of like, I don't know what it's like to be a baseball player. I don't know what it's like to be married to a baseball player. And I really don't know what it's like to be a retired baseball player who's living in a house in Florida, has to be. Yeah and it's got a really big atrium or like a, the, you walk into the entrance hall and it's really tall there's a staircase that kind of curves around and there's maybe a table with some sort of statue oh yeah i could see that in it's the like, in the entrance foyer yeah in the foyer and mm-hmm. it's not quite a statue of a of a of a guy of, of like her uh, hercules mm-hmm. or atlas holding the world and the world has neon sign on it that says the world is yours hmm. it's not quite that hmm. But it is some kind. It's that. You probably cool. have
0: probably have a study with your awards in it. Mm-hmm. You got fo- a photograph with Hank Aaron.
1: Manchin-y kind of.
0: thing. Oh yeah, yeah. You
1: know McMansions,
0: mm. uh, which if are three think, car three car garage probably. Th-
1: yeah, three five think, car. garage. You know what you do? You get a boat. You get a fucking boat. You get a boat, or mm-hmm. in the case of John Travolta, you get a, your own seven twenty seven or seven thirty seven, whatever. Mm. Have you seen his house? Mm-mm. That seems very costly. He bought a house. He bought one of those because there are housing developments for pilots.
0: We had one of these when I was uh, in junior high. There was an area where you could land your plane on this little strip and drive it down the road to your house where you would
1: put it in your own plane garage. That's right. Hangar, I think they call it. A a plane garage. Mm -hmm. And uh, so John Travolta has one of these massive compound where he can park his own like – proper sized jet i don't know which model of boeing jet he has but it's uh let's see here i think i can google that for you uh he so so from 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 the air you can you you just fly over and it's like a giant mcmansion and he's got his plane parked out front his jumbo jet not a it's not a jumbo but it's like that's a that's a that's a consumer passenger jet It's a it's a pass. It's meant to have probably over two hundred people on it, right? Oh, it's a seven hundred and seven. So he's it's so it's a vintage. He's got a vintage jet, and I bet Hmm. that my pal, whose job it is to outfit, uh, super you know Boeing business jets with cool interiors with hot tubs and stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, I bet you he's done Travolta's jet, and I bet it's very nice in there.
0: I have a friend, whom you have met, who has been a handler for visiting celebrities and luminaries Mm -hmm. and she has got some goddamn stories about john travolta none of which i will share on the air except to say i bet a lot of interesting stuff happens on his plane i
1: bet it does she had Mm -hmm. a lot of first first hand super creepy travolta information allegedly i want to hear this offline Mm -hmm. i had a friend whose job it was to fill up drew barrymore's ipod oh wow do you get that like a Craigslist kind of thing? How do you get? How do you get a job like that? Well, you know, she was a music supervisor, and oh, uh, yeah. you know, and knew a lot about cool music, and worked in bars and clubs, and was a booker. You know, there's that there's that class of people in the rock business who are, have all been booking agents, club uh, club managers, music supervisors. But they're insiders. They know DJs. without having one specific title. They know how things go. They know yeah. how things work. They know how and, to keep the lines right. They know, how, they know how things work, and then within that, they, they keep up, right? Like they, right. when they were in college, it was real easy. They were just part of the college radio station. They brought bands to their school. They were really, really into music because they – and you were this guy. You just loved music and you stayed but on But it top. definitely stopped. And then at a certain point, it stops. But these probably, people, probably about 10 years ago.
0: Mm -hmm. That's right, you were very current I was just looking at uh, my friend, uh, you know Andy Bayo. Andy Bayo used to have this website uh, called upcoming.org where you could go and say what shows you were going to and stuff like that and it was a way to like a social media site for you know, live events like shows. Oh my god, I can't believe how much stuff I used to do (laughs) Mm -hmm. But I'm just saying like up until pretty much well, you can guess when it ended Um, You went (laughs) to six six shows a week Uh, I mean, I don't know if we went to one a week but I think we would definitely go to five a month at least I mean, there were a lot of nights we were, you know, multiple, multiple nights a week. You guys liked to party. You stayed up right until the bar ended. We would, we would, we would go uh, rock and roll. But uh, yeah, yeah. but all I'm I'm saying is like, you, you, I think what you're describing here is that at a point you can just atmospherically stay up to date just by being young. But it it is an effort to keep up after that. You got to really want it.
1: You got to keep up. And also, like, like a lot of things, your knowledge. Has an expiration date, Mm, right? Like, like it used to. You used to think uh, this was the this was the mistake I used to make a lot, which was that people will always
0: want to know about your ability to detect a nineteen fifty
1: six Les Paul. That's exactly right. Mm -hmm. People are always going to care about first editions, or they're always going to care about vintage glasses, or they're always going to care about something that I care about. And then you realize, like, oh, everybody in nineteen ninety four really cared about vintage glasses because. That was what we were doing, but now Warby Parker... Makes any kind of glasses that you want. They all look like vintage glasses, and they're a hundred dollars each. And go fuck yourself if you're, you know, like nobody cares that I'm walking around in a pair of 1959 <laughs> Bausch and You seem, they, you seem like basically you have the status of like a beer can collector at this point. Exactly. <laughs> like you know that's
0: right? garbage, right?
1: I got forty cans of Billy Beer, and I paid <laughs> ninety thousand dollars for them in 1986. <laughs> Never gonna get them again. People are like, what's Billy Beer? <laughs> What do you mean? What's Billy Bear? It's the hardest beer to get. <laughs> yeah, nobody cares, man. So, uh, so yeah, like that's that's that. It, with music supervisors, if you stopped, if you stopped for a second, you're completely irrelevant. Like three months later. But so there are Hollywood people who want to be, and I think Drew Barrymore is probably not one of these people now, but she was ten years ago. But there are Hollywood people who are like, if I roll up on someplace and I hand my iPod over and say, play some, you know, play some random selections from this while I'm in the club, uh, you want that music to be like right on the bleeding edge. And if you're a Hollywood actor, you probably can't keep that current. So you hire somebody to be your social media consultant. Or, I'm sorry, not your social media, but your uh, culture. This would be like your personal music supervisor. Your supervisor. They're probably also putting movies on there. You know, Paul Allen has like six librarians. What? He He has an entire library staff. And I am actually pretty close to one of his librarians. And she has been his librarian for over a decade. And she flies around the world. So that it's like Paul is going to be at Lake Como on Tuesday. She needs to fly there on Saturday and make sure that all of the media in his library at Lake Como is what he wants, what he's into right now. I get it. it I get it. So that when he gets there, but it also has to be somewhat comprehensive. So if he says – If he gets
0: a wild hair and decides that he wants like uh, Once a Future King, there better be a copy there. There
1: better be a copy there, right? Exactly.
0: Like if he if he
1: says like, I, you know, I want to hear uh, uh, Ray Charles play the Watusi, he, it, somebody better be able to get that to him right away. But so, you know, she's there in his house curating his collection, making sure his library, both digital and, re- and real world, are all like sorted – Mhm. But and she's been doing this for over a decade, but she claims only to have met him personally like two times. But she has a sense of his taste? Yeah, she's his librarian or one of a very one of But I of mean very, like
0: having not met him, it wasn't like she hung out with him in college or something. She just
1: she just knows. Yeah, she's she knows him. She's she, you know, she's part of his hive mind. Mhm like Paul Allen is at the center of it and he has a thousand people around him that function as extensions of his mind and imagination. But like she's only met him in receiving lines basically where he walks through his Vulcan and shakes everybody's hand. But she's in his office 30 minutes before he arrives. Like, and she's not, she's not the one that's like refreshing the white lilies. She's up digitally, you know, she's like, She's in the Matrix, seeing yeah. all the all the material, mm-hmm. and that's a crazy job, you know. And particularly since Paul Allen is renowned for firing everybody that's close to him, and she is like insulated by one level of person. So his, so Paul Allen's chief librarian. There have been fifteen of them because he fires them, but <laughs> wow. she's his. She's his media librarian, or his. You know, she's the one that actually is doing the, some librarianess, Some, you know, she's not administering; she is functioning as a librarian. She's a she's a practitioner. She's not she's, just implementing. Yeah, so she is. Uh, so she's somewhat insulated because if he comes in and once in future king isn't there, mm-hmm. he fires the administrator. Um, and she's just like, I actually had it. I had it here. The administrator just told me not to, you know, not to put Zardoz on his, <laughs> on his <laughs> iPad.
0: Can you imagine right. if you had to explain that? Could you tell me a little bit why you left your last position? Um, well,
1: you know, you know, James <laughs> Bond. <watched> Zardoz <laughs> on the octopus, uh, which we, we were, you know, 60 miles up the Amazon making a Peter Gabriel record. And he wanted to He said, oh, I want to watch Zardoz. Wasn't there. No way to get it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's that was abrupt. <laughs> um mm.